sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Hallelujah! This is the church on fire. Amen. Shall we pray? Holy Spirit, thank you that you are a purifier. Thank you, you are the fire that purifies our lives. You are the fire that burns away all unwanted things and makes us what you want us to be. Holy Spirit, you are at work in us both to will and to do of the good pleasure of the Father. I pray in the name of Jesus that the word of God this morning shall be fruitful. I come against every stronghold, anything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, I pull it down. I pray that by the grace and the anointing, the word of God shall go forth and bear much fruit in our lives. Thank you for the anointing that breaks the yoke. Thank you for the anointing that makes me able to speak these words that you have given from your throne room. And thank you for your presence with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. Well, all too soon we have come to the end of our first fire convention. Amen. And it's been a pleasure being with you. I think also that because by the grace of God I got born again at a young age, I really know what God delivers you from. When somebody just takes an interest in you and brings you up in the Lord and nurtures you in the Lord. And I have a lot of expectation and hope in you that your generation will lift up the name of Jesus to every nook and cranny of this world that you will stand for Jesus in a crooked and perverse generation. And I'm confident that God will keep you. Because the Bible says that he's faithful and that he's able to keep that which we entrust unto him. That is you until that day. So I want you to make a personal vow to yourself and to God by the help of the Holy Spirit 
that you will never backslide. That you will never be found out of the house of God. But rather that you will grow from glory to glory. That a time will come, in my very old age, I will sit down and you will be the pastors of great, great, great lighthouse churches. All over the world. Amen. I trust that God will make that happen. I want to salute Bishop Patrick and his anointed wife, Lady Reverend Joy, who has been the captain of our first fire ship, and all the pastors, lady pastors who have helped, Reverend Dell and all his team. Thank you. May the Lord do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And for everyone who has helped to make this program, may the Lord take care of the difficult places in your life. May the Lord surprise you pleasantly and do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And above all, as God gives us the grace to minister to the youth and children, May he take care of your households also and take care of your children in Jesus' name. Amen. And I want to thank also the first fire rites. Without you, this program would not have been what it has, it has been. You know, the instrumentalist, the wonderful singers, the technicians, those of you who are not even seen, God bless you all. And the gracious women who also came with me, God bless you. Those of you who hosted some of us, God bless you and remember you. Your labor in the Lord will never be in vain. Amen. I also bring you greetings from my husband, the bishop, who is now in Makena, Sierra Leone, and um, the crusade is ending this week. So I'm also happy that first fire is ending today, because even though I may be Lady Reverend Adelaide to you, I'm also a wife. I'm a mother, I'm a companion, I'm a pastor, I'm a cook, I'm a homemaker, I'm a nutritionist, amen, because I have to balance the meals at home. I'm saying that to say that it's not only church, that is your life. Amen, the sisters. God prepares us for everything. So in Titus 2, he says, the older women teach the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be keepers at home, to be discreet, to be sober. So many things. So sometimes your mother, not often, not sometimes, often, your mother is the older woman in your house. And she's trying to make you a responsible woman for the future. And your resistance is more than the resistance of the devil. So after this conference, may you be an obedient, meek, and a good girl, and a good boy. Obedient. 
Because look, you don't know a lot of things. But the foolishness of youth is that you feel you know. When they do this, say, why can't I do it another time? Do this, I'm, I'm doing something on my computer, why can't I do it later? We cannot give you 55 reasons why. But we know why. That's why God just said, honor your father and your mother. God did not even differentiate. He didn't say, honor your father who is good. Honor your father who is in church. Honor your father who encourages you, not the one who criticizes you. Honor your father and your mother when they give you things. Honor your father and your mother when they meet your needs. He said, just honor. The fact that this is your father, this is your mother, respect, honor. Come down from that high horse because you don't know anything. Amen. And I believe I'm saying that by the Spirit of God. Some of you are so rude, but for the mercy of God, I will walk you out of this church. Your rudeness is phenomenal. Amen. Some of you, it's not even the words, but the body language. When they say, do this, that you have an attitude. We shake the, the serpent into the fire. Amen. Hey, lady reverend, what are you talking about that you are facing us like that? How to be a friend of God. <laughs> Amen. Yesterday we read from James chapter 2 verse 23. James chapter 2 verse 23. How many of you were here yesterday? How many of you were not here? Hands down, how many of you were not here? All right. James chapter 2 verse 23. If you were not here, we cannot also recap. So we'll be there. <laughs> but you are welcome. Amen. James chapter 2 verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. He was called the friend of God. Yesterday we said, who is your friend? We asked how you can be the friend of God. Are you the friend of God? And today I want to speak a bit more about how. Lady Reverend, how? Yesterday there was not enough time, but how can I be a friend of God? John 15. If you are there, say amen. If you are not there, say wait for me. You need to learn the books of the Bible so that when Satan attacks you, you will be able to say it is written, not what was Reverend Dell saying the last time. Hmm. Fourteen and fifteen. Are you there? You, my, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. You are my friends if you do some of the things I command you. 
You are my friends if you do a few of the things I command you. You are my friends if you do some of the things that you like doing that I command you. You are my friends if you do the things that are easy to do that I command you. So you are my friends if you do whatsoever. What does whatsoever mean? Whatsoever means whatever. Everything, anything without leaving out any. So one of the first cardinal points, if you want to be a friend of God, is to do the things God has commanded you. Lady Reverend, what are some of the things you think God has commanded me? That's what I began with. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. Chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Ephesians 6, verses 1 and 2. Do you know where Ephesians is? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Does it say children in nursery? Children in K church? Children in I church? Children in J church, children in Y church, children when you are working or when you are not working, it says children. Children. My mother is alive, I'm still a child. I still owe her honor. My father passed away about two years ago, I owed him honor. It didn't matter if he was being fair. It didn't matter if it was being unjust in my view. It didn't matter. It just said, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. For means because. Amen? The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Right in the sight of whom? That's your Jonadab who advises you. Right in the sight of God. If you read the book of Chronicles, it keeps saying, and this king did that which was right in the sight of God. And this one did not do what was right in the sight of God. And this, it's, the book of Kings and Chronicles is full of people who did things right in the sight of God. Now, what may be right in the sight of God may not be right in your sight. Amen, somebody? When I was growing up, it's not everything my father did or my mother did that I felt was right. But when I grew up, I am glad that God gave me the grace to honor them. Because most of the things they said were right. Lady Reverend, really? Yes. When I finished school, at that time we used to write A-level. Lady Pastor Joy, you have to give me a cue on time because I just get carried away. So Marion, you give me a cue. So, I finished school, and I thought, what do I want to be in life? And I looked and I said, one, I want the shortest course ever. You see my aim? 
That's the same foolish aim you have. It's not even that, oh, my first reason is I want the shortest course ever. Why? My father was very strict. When you called my house at 7 p.m. and you were a boy, he would say, what do you want? Say, please, I want to speak to Adelaide. For what? what? What do you want to speak to Adelaide for? And we had many phones in the house, so sometimes the phone has rung and I've taken it. But before I pick it up, my father is on the phone interrogating the person. And sometimes he would tell the person, even when I was in university, he would tell the person, 7 p.m. this late? And you want to talk to my daughter this late? If you want to call my daughter, call her in the afternoon. When some friends would come and visit me, especially if it were a boy, even in secondary school, and they would come and they would greet my father. Oh, nicely dressed, decent boy. Good uh, afternoon. Most of them were from the scripture union. Please, I'm looking for Adelaide. My father would say, okay, you are looking for Adelaide. For what? Then the person would say, oh, please, I have some discussion with her. Discussion. She can't have the discussion. Okay, please, I have a book with her I have to collect. You have a book with her or a discussion. Okay, wait, I'm calling her. Mommy! Then I'll look in the window. I say, yay. Then I'll come. When I come, the boy is standing here. I'm standing here. My father is standing here. Okay, discuss. He says he has a discussion with you. Discuss. How many of you will agree with me that it wasn't easy? How many will agree with me that it wasn't fair? But he was my father. It did not lie in me to be rude, to throw my hands up. But sometimes, even my sister who was before me will say, Daddy, we have a meeting with you. He will agree. He will come for the meeting. At dawn, he will sit in the meeting. And then he will say, yes, what are your grievances? My sister has written out everything. My sister will say, one, I mean, we are teenagers. We don't see why we should live as if we live in a prison. We don't see why when we have visitors, then you behave like this. And my father will be listening. I'll say, oh, today we have a breakthrough. <laughs> we even had such a meeting when we were in university. And then when we finished the meeting, my father will now have to talk. Then he'll say, hmm, I've heard all your grievances and all the things you have come to say. You want freedom. You want to do this. You want that. I agree. There's only one problem. You are a tree. I planted you. I will never let a tree that I planted grow taller than me. I will cut it down. Get up and go. The meeting is over. How many of you know that it was not easy? But I had learned the scripture. Honor your father and your mother for this is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. So I didn't agree. I didn't think it was fair. But I did not, by the grace of God, become a rebellious child. And I was telling you, when I was choosing the work I want to do for life, I said, number one, after A-level, no more school. Why? I used to think, why do people go to school long? What are they looking for? Why don't they look for jobs that they get quick pay? Do you see? And then also, number two, my motive. First, freedom. Secondly, freedom to eat what I want. Because in my house, when they said something before me, I said, I don't like this. My father would say, you choose when you can earn your own money. 
But before you earn your own money, you eat what is set before you. Not like today's children. They give you sausage, you say it's not brown enough. They give you this, you say this. So I wanted freedom to choose what I want to eat. And I felt that the best way was to have money. Thirdly, I could imagine myself well-dressed with my bag, standing by the roadside, taking a trotro or a taxi to work. And I said, wow, what a wonderful life. It's a sweet life. It's a good life. So when I finished school, I told my father, the results had come and everything. I said, I've decided what I want to become. My father said, really? What would you like to become? I said, you know, I'm very good in French and I'm good in the other subjects. So I want to become a bilingual secretary. I said, ah, but you have passed. You have a place at the law faculty. Why do you want to go and do bilingual? I can't tell him that. I have plans. So I said, daddy, a child's choice is based on his giftings. And a child's choice is based on the child's interest. A parent should not decide for a child what a child should choose. A child... My father said, I agree with all that you are saying. Only one thing. The tree. Only one thing. You have been granted admission at the law faculty. So you go. I said, Daddy, but that's very long. It's going to take four or five years. I'm in a hurry. I can't add that one, but I said, you know, you should go by my interest and you should not force me to become things that I don't want to become. You know, I had the speeches. He said, you go and do it. After that, the course you are talking about, the secretarial course, it takes 18 months. After you do the law, I will let you do the secretarial. I will never stand in your way. If that is your interest, that is your heart, you go now because you are not sure about things, you know. By five years, you will be sure. As soon as you finish law school, I will even pay for it. You will become a secretary. I said, praise the Lord. And I obeyed. How many of you know that I'm thankful that I took my father's advice? It's not that there's anything wrong with being a secretary. But he could see that you can do the law. More than even you know. And he could see that a lawyer employs a secretary and not the other way around. So when I started working, and then I had six or so secretaries at my beck and call, and then I'll call them, come, you see this law? Type here, copy and paste, do this and there, and let me have it by two o'clock. And when they, they turn to go, I said, that's me. That's the person I wanted to be. So when I finished school, my father asked me, how is the secretariat? I said, daddy, I don't want to do it anymore. It was the instruction of a father. But judging from where I was standing, I felt that I was right. And I felt that I knew. And I have 55 reasons why. And God knows all these things. That's why he says to you, honor your father and your mother. Why would your father and your mother bring you into this world and want to destroy you. Think about it. But when you are young, that's what you think. Why? They don't like you. Why would your mother give birth to you and not like you? Of all the enemies in the world, she found only you. It is because they want so much for you to succeed that sometimes they even overdo it. Amen? Why was my father driving away the boys? Because he was wicked? Because he was unreasonable? 
because he had seen certain things in life and he felt that he had to protect me. Amen? But when you are a child, you don't process that way. Sometimes when you are a child, you are even coming to collect money from your mother and your father. You behave as if they owe you. They don't owe you anything. You are just privileged. Amen? Say, they brought me to the world, so they own me. Let me tell you something. I run an orphanage. There are many abandoned children. Some of them were put under articulated tracks. And it is only the sound of that articulated track. To me, to me, to me. That sends the baby crying. Hey, thank God the baby's crying was heard beyond the din. And somebody said, whoo, a baby is crying. Where is the baby? They looked and looked and looked. Under the articulator was the baby. And then they carried the baby to the orphanage. It could have been you. Some have been thrown in bushes and we have been called to come for them. It could have been you. But by the grace of God, just by his mercy, you find yourself in the home that you are in. And then you develop an attitude. Children, your only duty is to obey. The first verse cries, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I'm speaking to rebellion. I'm speaking to disrespect. I'm speaking to dishonor. I'm speaking to ingratitude. And I'm saying, you need to obey to become a friend of God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. I had a sibling who did not obey. I had a sibling who did not obey. And his life shows for it. Amen. I know people who did not obey. And they are on their eighth marriages. Their lives didn't turn out. It's not money. Some of them even made money. I have a sibling. He made money. He's not poor. But his life is just not correct. And as soon as you see him, you see him. What was it? He fought his father and his mother throughout. And that brings us to the verse 2. Honor your mother and your father. God said that not because he wanted to oppress you, young people. God said that not just that he wanted to make you a slave. But God said that because he wanted you to inherit a blessing. Look at verse 2. Honor your father and your mother. And God gives a reason for us to do that. Are you there with me? Jesus said, if you obey my commandments, then are you my friends. And this one says, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Why? Verse 3 gives us reasons. One, that it may be well with you. Number two, that you may live long on the earth. Hey. And Satan will come and tell you, oh, there's some way. Oh, there are this. Oh, rebel. Oh, there will be rude. And when you go into your room, he will be ministering to you. Because he wants you to be destroyed. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief comes only for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Satan has a threefold vision to steal from you a good life, a good destiny, and a good future to steal, and then to kill. His ultimate aim is to kill all of us. And that is why when children are born, 
like the baby Jesus. A commandment comes from Herod that all children from the age of two and under should be destroyed. Because when you are a child of destiny, Satan would like to kill you. That is why when Moses was born, a commandment comes from Herod that all baby boys should be killed. It's not because baby girls are not anything, but because Moses is a boy. The child of destiny is a boy. So the law should be directed towards boys so that they will be killed. That is Satan's uh, uh, testimony for you. That is why Joseph was put in a well and carried to slave masters in Egypt so that he would die because he's a child of destiny. Satan's three second aim for you is that you will be killed. And then the third one, to destroy. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. This is Satan's aim. And you, you are also cooperating with him fully. By your conduct, by your actions, by your disobedience to the commandment of God, you are, you are flowing with Satan full throttle. Everybody say, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, change me. Lord, today marks a new beginning. Amen. And then God comes and says, you know, Satan may want to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but me, I want to give you life. So rather, honor, so that I, you will live long. Satan will kill and destroy, but as for me, I will let you live long. Amen. Honor your father and your mother. One, that it may be well with you. God wants it to be well with you. God doesn't want you to sit somewhere and say, my mother was right. My father was right. When I should have studied, I was playing the fool. Oh God. But my father is in his grave. When it was Father's Day, I could have honored him. But I was angry and I was quarreling with him as if he was one of my friends. And now my father is no more. Oh, daddy, I wish you could come out of the grave so that I will appreciate you. I've seen it many times. When my father died and I was writing a tribute, I wrote, Daddy, by the grace of God, I don't have anything to be sorry about. I don't have to say, oh, I should have called you on Father's Day. I should have shown you my love. Daddy, the opportunities I had on your birthday, on Father's Day, at Christmas, to tell you what I thought of you, because of the teachings in the church, I did that. And daddy, I have no regrets. Everything I had to tell you from my heart, I told you. And so it's not now that you have died, that I'll be standing over your grave, weeping and saying, daddy, I was immature as a child. I didn't know. I made mistakes and I wish I could take it back but you are gone. There's nothing like that. And many, many people come to that place, but the parents are gone. To save all this, God says, honor your father and your mother. <laughs> the reason the Bible gives that you must obey them is because this is right in God's sight, number one then the reason that you must honor them is that it may be well with you. When I honored my father's advice and his counsel, it has been well with me. If I hadn't gone to Lagon, I wouldn't have met Bishop Dad. So through following my father's counsel, this is where I stand today. I didn't have to do anything. 
I just had to obey God's word. When my father was on me, study, mommy. Go to school. Be serious about your studies. Sit up. Do this. Do that. I didn't know. The world is bigger than you, the child, you know. But just God says, uh, you see, I can't be giving you little, little commandments here and there. So I'll just put it in your mother and your father and they will lead you. Because I want it to be well with you. Amen? Am I preaching to some people here? Amen? So one of the first commandments to us as children. My husband always says, when his mother calls him, he doesn't say, I'm now bishop, so whatever. His mother calls him dad. He says, yes, mommy. Yes, mommy. What are you going to say? Say, now I'm a bishop, so don't be calling me. I would rather be calling you and you. And what is killing our society is American movies. You know how I know? Because as I'm watching the Disney Channel and things, I see what they do. Even high school musical. The girl has a way of talking. And then I don't know what... And then I, I started to see signs in my house. I say, hey! This type of high school musical attitude. I don't want it here. It will be killed. It ends now. Amen, somebody? You are my friends if you obey my commandments. One of the cardinal commandments that God is giving you this morning is that you must obey your mother and your father. And also, it is not a suggestion. Amen? It is a commandment. It is not a suggestion. Oh, Lady Reverend, but you don't know my parents. They are so impossible. You don't know my parents, Lady Reverend. That's why you are saying what? You do your part. A young person was talking to me and said that my father, I'm always communicating with him. When I call, he will not call back because I'm in university. When I send email, he will read it, but he will not write back. And I said, I know it's painful, but I don't think that your father has any bad mind. I'm not saying that it is good. But you do your part. Whatever you have to tell him. Hello, daddy, I was just saying hi, whatever. And then leave it that God says I should do my part. I've done my part. The rest, God will take care of it. You are not the Holy Ghost to come and change your father. It is the Holy Ghost that is at work in us, both to will and to do of, our, of his good pleasure, not you. So you don't say, I have, to, I have to tell him a thing or two so that he will see that. No. You may politely communicate that, oh, daddy, I don't hear from you, whatever. But your actions are not action and reaction. That we are two friends. When we do, then I do. Sometimes I tell my daughters, I, I, I mention the name of their friends. I say, that your friend in school is not the same as me. So when you are saying something, be careful how you say it. Sometimes I say, that's your foolish friend at school. Oh, but what has she done? I said, because she's as foolish as you, immature as you. My friend is somewhere in school. She has not done anything. And you are insulting. I said, I'm not insulting. I'm making a statement. Amen. Jesus said, you are my friends if you obey my commandments. Amen, somebody. And 
the next way we are talking about how to be a friend of God, not so. So we need to obey the commandments of God. And I've given you a cardinal commandment to children is that they must obey their parents. I am still a child. Sometimes my mother says things or puts things in a way I don't agree. Or I don't think so. I may say that I don't agree. But it doesn't give me room to be rude to her. Amen? The Bible says, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all to the glory of God. So whatever you are doing, when you are at home, whether you are sweeping, sweep well, as if you are doing it for Jesus. That's how I was brought up in the scripture union. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all to the glory of God. Amen. That's what the Bible says. So whatever you are doing, including sinning, do all to the glory of God. Amen? When they say tidy your room, do all to the glory. But why should they even come and tell you to tidy your room at this age? Why? Then you have spotted you are going, but your room is like a pigsty. Why? When they say cook, you'll be talking. Eh, I have prayer meeting. And then you are whatever, whatever. Why? Can't you just say politely, Dad, Mommy, tomorrow I'll be going for prayer meeting. So if there's anything I have to do, Please, can I do it now so that tomorrow... That is what we were taught in SU. When you get up, you do all your household chores. Now, with this JSS, TSS, whatever has come, you don't even have time to do what should be done at home. And the little that has been given to you to Ayeka. When we were your age, we were going to boarding school at the age of 10 and 11. 10 and 11. And when we go to boarding school, we wake up at 5. As soon as the bell goes, we are up. Everybody has a chore. You are scrubbing. You are, and seniors are sending you, fetch water, come, do this, do... Hey! And you, now you are going with big bones at age 14 and 15. And the things that we did, you can't do. What is the difference? Attitude. Attitude. So I pray that Christ will be seen in you at home. Not just that you pray. Not just that you read your Bible. But that people will look at your light and give glory to God that indeed this is a child of God. I pray that you will become that child. In order to become a friend of God, we have to spend quality and personal time with God. Exodus chapter 33 verse 11. Exodus chapter 33 verse 11. We have to spend quality and personal time to become friends with God. We have to spend quality and personal times with God. Is this verse 11? Let's read from about verse 9. And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. Please go to the next verse. And the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshipped 
every man in his tent door. Verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. The Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto a friend. Amen. Now, from the preceding verses, we saw that it was Moses who went into the tabernacle. It was Moses who went into the tent. And it was when he had gone into the tent that God met him there. He meant somebody. This shows us that we too must make time in our lives and schedule appointments to spend time in the presence of God. Because in verse 9, Moses entered into the tabernacle. And it was when he had entered that the cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And it was after that that the Lord talked with Moses. Just like Moses had a place to go to, to meet God. If you want to become a friend of God, the Bible says God talked to Moses face to face as to a friend. So if you want God to be your friend on that level and on that dimension, you must enter into a tabernacle. You must have a place in your life where you usually go to meet God. You must have a habit or start forming a habit where you have a place where you usually go to meet God. Your place may be on your bed. Your place may be by your bedside. Your place may be a corner of the kitchen. Your place may be somewhere in the sitting room. Somewhere where you know that you will not be disturbed. And that is where you go so that God will meet you there. Amen. And then when you get to that place, you talk to God face to face. When you talk to God, you must be honest with God. We don't come to God so that we will just, um, what, meet a requirement. It's like, oh, in church, they're always saying, have your quiet time. So let me just go and read something so that I can say that I've had my quiet time. But you go into that special place that you create so that you can talk to God and God can also talk to you. Yesterday I said that God talks to us principally through the Bible. And we talk to him principally through prayer. If you have a friend that you don't communicate with, it's not going to work. Oh? And you have a beloved that you don't communicate with, it's not going to work. So when I had a beloved, the beloved used to communicate with me. And we were in the university together. So we'll go for walks, we would talk, we'll have all night. And after the group all night, we'll come and sit in front of Volta Hall and we would talk and talk and talk after all night oh, before we realize it's morning. And that helps you to develop your friendship with the person. As you walk and you talk, the person tells you what matters to him, what is important to him. You share jokes. You also talk to the person what matters to you, what is important to you. It's the same with God. And so you build a relationship. Amen. Because when you come to church, you meet somebody. And you never talk to the person. 
You don't know anything about the person. You don't know what school she goes to. You don't know what her first name is. You don't know what... Then that is not a relationship. But somebody that you call a friend is usually somebody you know something about. Oh, she goes to this school. She just wrote B.E.C. She's about to write B.E.C. She just wrote Wasi. Oh, she says she lives here. She does this and she does this. And friendship also grows. So if you want to be a friend of God, in the same way, you have to cultivate your friendship with God. Am I making sense to somebody? Yesterday, we learned about Jonadab, the bad friend that we shouldn't have. But even your bad friends, they become your bad friends because you spend time with them. And they become your bad friends because you speak to them. Jonadab was a bad friend, but he was a friend. So he saw and told Amnon, ah, you are losing weight these days. Why? And Amnon didn't want to say it. And Amnon said, oh, because, you know, this is how I feel. And this is So as you go on fellowshipping and talking to your friend, your friend reveals his innermost feelings. The things that are important to him or her. And that is the same with God. When you spend time in his presence, you get to know him better. And he also draws nearer to you. Amen. So the Bible says that the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Verse 12. Verse 12 of Exodus 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou would send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Verse 13. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. Verse 14. And he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Verse 15. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Verse 16. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth? Verse 17. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. So, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. A friend knows you by name. And the way Moses spoke to God, if you won't go with us, then don't carry us there. You say you are taking us here, but you're not telling me who you are giving me to, to go with. And you know, don't destroy these people. Because all the nations, I mean, consider God, consider what you are saying. All these people, this nation that you want to save, you must save them. Otherwise, the people will think that this and that and that. And the Lord will also say, oh, but I've given you rest in my sight and, and I'll go with you. And Moses said, well, that's not even an issue. If you don't go with me, the fact is I'm not going, you know. And then Moses said, and the Lord said unto Moses, what you have spoken, I will do. Because you have found grace in my sight and I know you by name. When you stay with somebody for some time, when you fellowship with somebody closely for some time, the person gets to know a lot about you, including your name. And one significant thing Christ says about the last days is that 
Some people will come and say, we did this in your name. We did that in your name. We did miracles in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And then the Lord will say, depart from me because I don't know you. I don't know you. So a friend is somebody who knows you. If you want to be God's friend, God must know you. And he can know you when you keep company with him. He can know you when you spend time in quiet time. He can know you when you spend time in his word. You can know you when you have a place and a time that you come to meet God. Amen, somebody? Are you understanding me? If you're understanding me, put up your hands. The things that I have said, can you do them by the grace of God? Yes, we can. Amen. It's as if I have found grace in thy sight. And God says, you have. And I know you. I know you, Moses. I know you by name. Can even the pastor in the church say, I know you by name? Or you are one of the people, you are there, you are there, but I don't know you. Your relationship with God will make him know you properly. And you will be his friend. Amen. And then, I'm almost running to the end. Proverbs 17, verse 7. I read it yesterday. Proverbs 17, verse 7. Are you there? Proverbs 17, verse 7. Yeah. Is it not the one that says a friend loves at all times? Is it? Proverbs 17 verse 7. Oh, okay. What is it then? I'll look for it. 17, 17, okay. Proverbs 17, 17, please. Thank you, Paula. Proverbs 17, 17. And then Songs of Solomon 5, verse 16. Songs of Solomon 5, verse 16. But Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loveth at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Songs of Solomon 5, verse 16. Songs of Solomon 5, verse 16. His mouth is most sweet. Yea, he's altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. A friend loveth at all times. If we want to be God's friends, we must love him. Amen. Oh, Lady Reverend, how do I know whether I love God or whether. How do you know whether you love your computer games? How do you know whether you love fufu? How do you know whether you love soccer? By your devotion, the value you place on it, and the price you pay to have that thing that you love. So when it comes to God, don't pretend as if you don't know what love is. How do I know whether I love God? One of the things that tie in, Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Back. 
to what I said, isn't it? He said, you are my friends if you obey my commandments. The same Bible says, if you love me, obey my commandments. How do you know if you love God? When he's important to you. When he's valuable to you. When you will pay a price for him. When God says, don't do this, and you want to do it, and it's difficult for you, but because of your love for him, you still forget about how you feel and go for what God is saying. Then you love God. Amen? So don't tell me when it comes to Jesus. I love him, but I don't know. Define love for Jesus. Define love. But the things that you love in your life, you know them. And the things that you love in your life, when you compare them to the love of God, you will see that maybe God is 50%. And that foolish thing is 80%. Because you give your whole to it. A friend loves at all times. You love God when you don't understand him. And you love him when you understand him. The three Hebrew boys that were put in the fire. And the, uh, the king came and said, you know, if you, you, you just obey me, I'll take you out of the fire. And they said, our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't deliver us, oh king, we will never bow down to you. Amen? So as a Christian, there are times when God may answer your prayer. And there are times when God may seem not to be answering your prayer. But the Hebrew boy said, if he delivers us from the fire, we will serve him. If he doesn't deliver us, we will still serve him. Because he is God, he is sovereign, and he knows better than all of us. It's another level of faith to come to. Amen. When the Bible says, a friend loves at all times. There are going to be different seasons in your life as young people. Even when you look at your academic seasons, they are different. There was a time you were in I church. Then there was a time you were in K church. There was a time when you were in primary. Then there comes a time when you are in BC. Then there's a time when you do WASI or WASKI or whatever you call it. And there's... He says, I don't understand your exams very well, although my children write all of them. And then there's a time when you become a university student. Are you going to love God at all these junctions of your life? Some of you, when you were in J church, you even added pastor to your church, your name. You said, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to serve God. It says, mommy, give me offering quickly. I must be in the house of God. And when you came to Y church, you developed an attitude. We have to wait for you in the car. Then we'll be blowing the horn. Then you are coming. You're holding your shirt, your belt, and a comb in your hair. We have to push you like a tractor. But beloved, a friend loves at all times. It doesn't matter whether he's in JSS. It doesn't matter whether he's in SS. It doesn't matter whether he's in university. He loves the Lord at all times. I was talking to a young person in Accra, and I said, you, you put lady pastor in your name when you were younger. I said, oh, that time I was a child. I said, huh? And now what are you? So now I'm in secondary school. Secondary school. You haven't reached anywhere. Look, young people, don't use your life as a guinea pig in the laboratory of life. Do you understand? When people are making new discoveries, they experiment with mice and guinea pigs because they are not human beings. Maybe you make a new drug and you want to know the side effects. 
You want to know the effects and side effects. So you get a guinea pig or a mouse or mice, and then you inject them with whatever. And then when they behave like this, hey, mice are behaving like this, then humans can also behave similarly. So this is not a good thing to use. So that's what I mean when I say don't become a guinea pig or a mouse in the laboratory of life that will take you and inject you. Then you do this, oh, God's word is true. Oh, fornication is not good. Oh, my future is destroyed. I found out that is true. No. Don't become an experiment specimen. The best teacher is not experience. The best teacher is the word of God. But when you don't listen to the word of God, the school of hard knocks and experience will teach you. Amen. The greatest enemy of a young person is deception. The devil lies to you so much. So, you see, if you are not clubbing, you are missing out. Oh, you are missing out. When we left here Friday night, we thought it was late. When we got to the hotel, hey, the casino, music, loud. I said to Lady Pastor BM, if it were a Christian program, they would go and call us and say, oh, the hotel guests want to sleep because we just had a prom in Accra for all Wasi leavers. And they said, oh, by this time, you should have packed. By this time, the guests will be disturbed. By this time, because it's a Christian program. But that believer program, 1.30 a.m., it had now reached its height. And I saw young people stumble out of the casino with beer, with this, going this way. I said, oh, Jesus, save them. Jesus, reach out to them. Jesus, they are deceived and they need you. My heart was so broken. Because there are many people, even some of our pastors, who use their lives as an experiment and are trying to rescue you from what they regret. And you too, you say, no. I also want to do trial and error. A friend laughs at all times. When God doesn't seem to answer your prayer, will you still love him as a friend? When God doesn't seem to come through, will you still love him as a friend? When the Christian work becomes hard and difficult, will you still love him as a friend? Look, we are not standing here because all is rosy. We are not standing here because there are no trials and temptations. We are standing here because we have discovered a greater love that no man has, that he laid down his life for his friends. And we are just responding to that love. A friend loves at all times. Some of you, the zeal you had for the Lord has come down. You think that, oh shit, you have reached. When we look at you too, you have not reached anywhere. Do you understand? In the university, the people that I went, some of the people that I went to the university with, they thought they were having the time of their lives. Going here, moving here, doing this. I've met some after university. They said, Adelaide. You were the ones who had life. You were talking about what was real. Look at me today. I've just wasted my life. I've just wasted my time. A friend of mine who went to university with me and read law also called me some years ago and said, you know, I've had children out of wedlock. I earn good money, but my life is whatever. And I'm calling you because 
Me. I was an unbeliever and I'm even still an unbeliever. But I'm calling you because I feel that you have a place that you can touch people's lives and deliver them from walking on this road that I find myself. And do you know what she said? She said, Adelaide, teach the young people. Rescue them. Save them at any cost. Adelaide, whatever it takes you, save them. I don't want them to come where I am. I don't want them to be messed up the way I am. So whatever light you have found, give it to them and walk them out of every darkness. Why? You want to finish university, marry, and then say, Jehovah is God. Jehovah is true. The word of God stands sure. Why? Why? You want to experiment with your body? For what? What will you achieve? Don't you see Amnon yesterday? After he had had what he thought he he had, he said, get out of my sight. That's not what I wanted to do. Amen. Now when you go and marry, you don't trust anybody. Because you've used your body for so many things. You don't trust anybody. Trust is broken. So even the marriage that you are going to marry, trust is broken. Because so many boys lied to you. So many boys used you. And so many boys damned you. So even the Christian one you have come to find, you are paranoid, you are not okay, and you, you could have saved yourself all that. Amen? If you are a boy, you have slept with so many girls. Now when you marry, you don't even know the difference. You have problems. You have problems. When you marry, you have been masturbating, doing other things. Now when you marry, you can't even have a normal relationship with your wife because you have always had virtual things. God is delivering you because he loves you. And you too must reciprocate that love by loving him at all times. Amen. Hmm. Turn to the person next to you and say, Lady Reverend is talking to you. You now, can't you see? Amen. So we have said that obey God's commandments if you want to be his friend. Spend quality and personal time with him if you want to be his friend and develop your friendship with him. And then love him at all times. Because a friend loves at all times. All the seasons of your life, all the times of your life, just love God. Amen. And I've told you that you can know you love somebody by your response to the person, how precious the person is to you. When I was in the university, the story I told you yesterday, the boy who was rapping me and I went to lead him to Christ, and he gave his life to Christ immediately and... He was a cool dude. He looked nice, you know? He spoke nicely. And what even used to make me feel, oh, Charlie, this guy is very cool, was that he would just dress very well, and then he would wear Charlie Watches. I would say, wow. How many of you know that when you are a young person, you are a fool, but you don't know? I would say that, oh, the way he has marked, and then he's just wearing Charlie Watches, like, oh, he's just strolling around. Wow, this is very cool. But God delivers us from so many things. And if you are going to love God at all times, there are times when you are tempted to do other things. And you are tempted to do things that will bring you pleasure 
like having the wrong friends, like having a boyfriend, like doing things. You will be tempted. But if you really love God, you will say, flesh, die. Flesh, be crucified. Even if you have to cry, cry, but still obey God. When I went to my room in the university, I knelt down by the bed. And the Holy Spirit said to me, all your friends have to change. Do you think it was easy? I just said, oh yes, Lord, speak. I'll just do it. No. I wept buckets, buckets. You could have carried the, the tears in buckets. Oh God. Oh. Then in the prayer too, you also see this guy with his smart whatever in Charlie Waters. The crying is mixed with all that. Oh God. Now when I look back, look, what God was delivering me from me, you have no idea. Because later, the guy came to have girlfriends on my floor. Hey, it wasn't easy for them. In series, oh, this after this, after this, after this, and the Holy Spirit showed me, this would have been you. This would have been your life. If you had sacrificed me for this foolish boy, this would have been your life. I would have been crying. And then this one would be growing lean, then you leave this one, then you go with this one. Hey! Look, young people, God is delivering you from a lot of heartaches. Unnecessary and foolish heartaches. Be delivered this morning. In Jesus' name. Love God when it's hard. Love God when you have to say no to that boy and no to that girl. Because God will bring a Bishop Doug your way. God will bring the right person your way. And God will bless your life. Amen, somebody. I never knew what the future held. I never knew what God was going to do. But God was faithful. Amen. Finally, 2 Chronicles 20 verse 7. Next time we'll talk about the benefits of being God's friend, if there's a next time. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Verse 7. This is King Jehoshaphat. He's going to fight. The enemies are coming against him. And he's praying to God. And he says, And not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever. Jehoshaphat came many generations after Abraham. But when God is your friend, his friendship is forever. And when he's your friend, he keeps covenant with you even when you are dead. And that friendship comes to be a blessing to people after you, even after, long after you are gone. Your friendship with God goes through generations. And so even your children's children will benefit from your friendship with God. Amen? So these people are praying. They need a miracle. And they say, oh God. We have heard about you. Are you not the God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel? Did you not give the seed? You did not give it to the seed of Abraham, your friend forever. 
Some of you, you had friends in JSS, you don't know where they are. You had friends in nursery, you don't know where they are. You had friends in primary, you don't know where they are. Because everybody moved on and went into different places. When you finish WASI, some go abroad, some go to Cape Vance, some go to Tech, some go to Wisconsin, some go to Central. Everybody finds their way. But as for God, when he is your friend or you are his friend, you are his friend forever. 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 I know there are bracelets and jewelry that say friends forever. But that forever is subjective. You may be friends forever, but by all means, someone will die before someone. Some of my friends have died. Some of my friends have gone on to be with the Lord. So you may want to be friends forever, but it may not be. But when the eternal God is your friend, it's forever. Hallelujah. So before I leave Kumasi, young people, let it be your aim to be called a friend of God. The world says, show me your friend and I'll show you your character. And it's still true. When your friend is Jesus, we can show you your character. I pray that Jesus will be your personal friend. And I pray that he will remain your friend forever. Stand to your feet, please. What a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, our sins and griefs to bear. Oh, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh. Peace we often forfeit. Oh, oh, what needless pain we bear. What needless pain we bear. Oh, because we do not carry. Oh, because we do not carry everything to God. Every eye closed. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have some young people here all over the hall deciding to make Jesus your friend forever. Lift up your hands. You have decided to follow.
instrumentalist softly oh speak to him speak to him no turning back no deception by the world no deception by the enemy I'm a friend of God I'm a friend of God lady weapon oh a friend loves at all times pray to God ask him to keep you a friend who loves him at all times ask him to keep you to preserve you oh yes ask him to forgive you for your attitude your behavior your hidden sins ask him to forgive you lay it at the altar lay it at the altar and ask for a new beginning a new beginning in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus every eye closed and every head bowed you're here this morning say lady reverend as for me I have to start with salvation I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die lady reverend I don't know where I'll spend eternity lady reverend I've been playing games with God I need to give my life to Jesus I need to rededicate my life I need to give my life to Jesus and to make him the Lord of my life lady reverend pray for me you want to say that just lift up your hands high up forget about who is on your left or who is on your right let the love of Jesus propel you just lift up your hands high above your shoulder all across the hall I see your hands God bless you many more hands should go up I know I sense this in the realm of the spirit God bless you God bless you and if you put up your hand do one more thing come forward come to the cross come to the cross come to Jesus
you. Satan would have liked to destroy you, but Jesus loves you. Raise up your hand and say this prayer after me, Lord Jesus. Please say this prayer after me, Lord Jesus. This afternoon, I come to you just as I am. Take my life and make it your own. Jesus, come into my life. I will no longer be my own Lord. Forgive me for all my sins. Cleanse me. Take my life. Keep me by your power. Thank you for dying on the cross to save my life. Thank you that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life because of this prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Lord, I pray for these children, especially those that are gathered in front. Your word said, suffer the little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God. I pray that you will take them and lead them in your way everlasting. Deliver them from the wickedness of Satan and the things he seeks to do even in a young life. Lord, I cover them with your blood. I cover them with your mercy. I cover them with your grace. I commit them into your hands. Please keep them until that day when you will call them or when Jesus shall come. May they love you. May they serve you. Deliver them from evil. May no weapon that is fashioned against them prosper. We condemn every tongue that rises against them in judgment. Let them be kept by your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn to your feet. Who should they go with? Pastor Dale, go through this door on my right here and come back and join us quickly. God bless you. God bless you. I see pastors, evangelists, teachers, and preachers amongst you. Praise Jesus. Now before I sit down, every head bowed and every eye closed. Some of you need to make some radical decisions this morning. Some of you need to change your lifestyle. Some of you need to ask for forgiveness for your attitude and behavior at home and towards parents and towards authority. Some of you need to bring certain sins to the throne so that God can take care of it. Begin to speak to God. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Bow your heads and speak to God. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you, but you have to confess it first. Tell him how sorry you are, your attitude at home, the secret life you have, all sorts of things that you are into, your rudeness and your dishonor. You want to say, God, give me another chance. God, turn a new page in my life. 
I turn over a new leaf, Lord. I ask for another chance, Lord. I ask that you forgive me because if you are against me, it's not going to be good. I want to be a friend of God. Ask God for forgiveness and ask him for strength to obey him in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for all these children, including the ones that have gone out because of salvation. I pray that you will keep them. I pray that they will love you. Direct their hearts into your love. Preserve them. Deliver them from deception and from every plan of the enemy. Preserve their going out and their coming in. And Lord, may they stay blameless, holy, and fruitful in your house. Bless their future. Bless their destinies, Lord. And let it be well with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take your seat. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.